there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before. And it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected. Other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. What makes psychological evolution possible is we were born at a higher level than the one to which we have fallen. This idea of fallen is a difficult idea because it's been used in fundamental religions to say man has fallen. Well, man has fallen, and it's easy to see that. We have fallen into error, we have fallen into darkness, we have fallen into ignorance, we have fallen into hatred, we have fallen into violence, we have fallen into warring with one another, stealing from one another. We've fallen into a lot of things that are not good for us or good for our world. You look at the world and you have to say, well, you know, it's really not that nice a place. I'm not saying it's not beautiful. Of course it's beautiful. The world is beautiful. You look at the sun shining on the leaves out there. You look at the, we've just had a rain. Look at how clean and fresh everything is. It's beautiful. There's no question about it. The beauty of this world is beautiful. That doesn't mean there's not something that's more beautiful. Just because you found something that's beautiful does not mean that it's ugly in comparison to something that's more beautiful. That's not how it works. How it works is there are things that are even more beautiful. But that doesn't diminish the beauty of this. So we were born at a higher level than the one to which we have fallen means that when we were born, we were at a different level of consciousness. We were at a different level of awareness. But we look at a child and we say, but that child's not aware. But you're judging from the outside. You're saying that child hasn't fallen far enough to where we are to be aware of this. They're aware of something else. What did Jesus say? He said about the little ones, he said, well, don't mess with these guys because their angels see my father's face all the time. <laughs> you know, and it's like, oh, what does that mean? Well, we don't know what it means. Oh, yeah, there are lots of people who make something up about, well, it means that they're angels, they're guardian angels. There are no such thing as guardian angels, but it means that they're guardian angels. This is what people make up. It's just like the three wise men. There were no three wise men. Nowhere is it written there were any three wise men. No, there were three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. There were not three <laughs> wise men, the magi. There were not three. Nobody traveled in threes back then. A caravan of three would have been not a caravan. It would have been spoiled on the road, and their gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and myrrh would have been gone. No, they traveled in almost an army. They traveled in packs. They traveled in huge groups to protect themselves from bandits. Why? Well, because that's the way it was. And that's the way it still is in a lot of places. There's safety in numbers. And so they, it wasn't three. That's just, that's all a legend. That's all something people made up. But the thing is, is when you're taught that, you're not taught that as if it was made up. You're taught that as if that actually happened. You grow up believing that. That is fallen. Do you see that you have fallen from a state of awareness where you didn't have that limitation to now you have that limitation? to now you have to work your way back to get to the place where you didn't have that limitation. Now you have to erase that carving that has been done on you, that scarring that has been done on you. And that's scarring, I promise you. You have been scarred by such teachings. They have scarred your heart. And that scar tissue makes it harder for you to be sensitive and delicate with other people. 
You know, everybody knows that scar tissue is tougher than your regular tissue. It's thin, but it's tough. And it's not as flexible. It's not as supple. You know, it's shiny, but it's not the same as your flesh, as your regular flesh. Once those scars have been put there, you need to get rid of them. So you have fallen. You know, you've got a scar on your lip, and you've got a scar on your shoulder, and you've got a scar somewhere else, and you've got a... <laughs> Everybody's got scars, and we live with those scars. But this work is about removing them. You know, it's like tattoos. People go get tattoos, and then one day it comes time to remove them. Well, there are lots of ways to remove a tattoo. Some people just burn the whole body. Some people just bury it. They leave it. What they do is they leave their body and their tattoos, and they go elsewhere. And then that's the end of the tattoo. It goes back into tattoo land. You know, it goes back into ashes to ashes, dust to dust. But these are things. These are psychological, spiritual things, emotional things that need to be healed. And this work of esotericism is the process of healing. It's interesting that the bad news that we have fallen is also the good news. Because if we've fallen, it's possible to rise again. If we've fallen, then there is something higher. And if there's something higher, then we could get back to it. If we knew something before, we might be able to know it again. So we know something at the higher level that we have forgotten, inducing this current level that we're in now, which I call amnesia. It's really, we have forgotten. So the work talks about remembering. Well, what is remembering? Think about it. Re, to do again. Member, to join. That's what it means. A member is someone who's joined something. So when you remember, you're rejoining. So what you're doing is you're rejoining yourself with a higher state of consciousness, a higher level of being than you have now, that you did have. But through amnesia, you have forgotten. Because we once knew this teaching aims at making us remember what we have forgotten. We had the knowledge at one time and are now taught it in order to remember it. This is the amazing thing. If you'll think about this, you'll notice that the things that I say to you are not new. Even when you've never heard them before, they're not new. There's something inside of you that remembers. There's something inside of you that recognizes. What does recognize mean? It means to recognize, to make conscious again. That means that you recognize the truth because you once knew it. So when you hear it, something inside of you sparks, something inside of you stands up, something inside of you perks. There's a, a sense inside of you. There's a resonance inside of you. And you know. Now, there are some people who don't. And why is that? Well, because they have better armor against the truth. They have better walls. They have better fortifications to keep it out. And what do those fortifications look like? You know. You know exactly what they look like. You live behind them. You built them. You are repairing them. As I am tearing away at them, you're busy repairing them from the other side. You're sitting there objecting. Well, that's repairing what I'm tearing into. So here I am trying to remove the veil, to pull away the veil, so that you can remember what you've forgotten. And here you are saying, no, what's on the other side of the veil is bad. Everyone says so. And you're pushing the veil back. This is our state. This is our condition. This is what happens. This is why it's so difficult for us to remember ourselves. It's difficult because we've been trained to believe that what's on the other side of that veil is death. It's the end. It's something to really be afraid of and to run away from. And that's just not the truth. The question becomes, what is it into which we have fallen? And the reason that becomes a question is because unless you know what you're in, how are you going to be able to get out of it? You've got to know where you are before you can start to move from that position. 
We have fallen into false personality. This is what has turned us around so that we see things backwards. We see things exactly backwards of the way they are. We see this as the real world and the real world as an illusion or a dream or a mystery. False personality makes us ascribe to ourselves knowledge that we do not possess. What does that mean? It means that you think this is the real world. This is the knowledge that you think you possess. You think that you know that matter is the most substantial real thing in the universe. And yet, matter is simply a shadow of something that is actually real. That matter really is just a shadow. That it's not really real. That what's real is what's eternal. The eternalness of matter is only its source, which is what's real. So what makes it real is the idea, not the thing itself. See, it's like a chair. There's an idea of something to sit on. That idea is more real than the chair. How do I know that? Destroy all of the chairs on this planet. And if you have the idea of something to sit on, you can make millions and millions and billions of chairs from it. All different kinds, all different shapes, sizes, colors, textures, designs from one idea. The idea is certainly more real than the thing, than the matter that the idea shapes and molds. So we think we have this knowledge that we don't possess. This reversal makes us imagine that nature and even we ourselves are self-created, that we did this. Well, my mother and father provided the materials and then, then this body just built itself. It just did that. It took that material, those materials, and it just did that. Well, how did it do that? Well, it was just in the DNA and the, and the intelligence. Of the, where's that intelligence come from? Well, it's just in the DNA. Well, where did it come from? Well, it, it evolved there. It just learned. It learned through trial and error and natural selection how to be. And that's all true. That is all true. Except that somewhere before all of that, you existed. Somewhere before all of that, you were created. But that's not true because I was only created when I was conceived by my mother and my father. And that, no, that's just the shadow. That's what you're calling you that isn't you. You pre-existed that. That's this whole idea. Because we can see nothing higher, we can reach nothing higher. And so we remain at this lower state. But you've got to be able to see that there is something higher. So is it possible that there's something higher than you and your body and your limited intelligence and your limited awareness, is it even possible? Well, yes, there are people who know more. There are people who are smarter. There are people who are gifted. And really, where did they get the gift? Well, that was just a fluke of nature. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You see, if you don't want to see anything higher, you don't have to. Because this false personality makes us ascribe to ourselves knowledge that we don't possess. We think that it's a fluke of nature. We think nature just created itself. And so, because we think that, that's the knowledge we imagine that we possess, that we don't actually possess, because it's not true. But we think it is true. Esoteric teachings come along for some. Not everyone, but for some. What I mean is they come along for everyone, but not everyone accepts them. Not everyone is ready for them. And they lead to the beginning of understanding of our condition. If esoteric teachings start to erode your self-love, your self-approval, your self-interest, your self-absorption. If esoteric teachings can start to erode that a little bit, then it's possible for you to begin to understand something different. What that means is you could understand that for some, these teachings can lead to the will to work. Now, for most people, they will never develop the will to work. They will just listen to this and then they will go, oh yeah, that's right. And they'll tell other people, but they will never do anything themselves. They will never, it will never develop in them the will to work on themselves. That will be the majority. 
Now, that's the majority of just the people who hear this. The majority of the people in the world will never even hear this. They will never hear this. Because it's not in pornography form. You know, it's not in entertainment form. And for whatever it's worth, whatever intellectual entertainment I may provide is unfortunately a hindrance to people. It's only a hindrance to people who are never going to develop the will to work. It just becomes the thing that they get stuck on and go round and round on. Oh, that's very entertaining. Oh, I like the, his ideas. Oh, I, I like the way he expresses things. But they still don't develop the will to work. Do you understand what I'm saying? If so, if they do develop that will to work, then a journey has begun. A journey of self-remembering or re-remembering what we once knew. A journey out of amnesia into awareness, into remembering, into reawakening. We're taught from the outside about not being negative, not considering, not identifying. We're taught from the outside about observing ourselves and remembering ourselves. And these things must be introduced externally. They have to be introduced externally because we have fallen from the state where we knew them internally. How did we fall from the state where we knew them internally? We were born into this world of sleeping people and they slowly pulled us away from the internal world and out here into their world, their surface world of shadows. And it's a natural process. Why? Because there's something for you to learn here. There's something for you to do here that you couldn't do where you were. And now is your opportunity to do it. This life is your opportunity to learn things that you could not learn in any other way. The question you really need to be asking yourself is, am I learning those things? Am I really applying myself? Do I really have the will to do this? Or could I be better at this? And if you don't think you could be better at this, you're in trouble. Because you have knowledge. You're ascribing to yourself knowledge that you do not possess. These things have to be introduced externally because we've got amnesia and we can't remember them directly, internally. We've been hypnotized by external life and the five senses, putting us in this deep, forgetful sleep of amnesia. If we connect with the work internally, we find new meaning for life and for ourselves by being reconnected with higher centers. What was it? You were born at this higher level and you've fallen. So what was that higher level? Well, let's talk about that a little bit. The work says, and it says this, you have to understand that this is not, this is not something that is literal and specific. You have to understand that this is an image. These two higher centers, higher emotional, higher intellectual centers, are an image. It's a way for the finite mind to paint a picture, to draw a picture of what it can't understand. It's an image. And so rather than looking for the higher emotional and higher intellectual centers, try and understand the image. Try and understand it's painting a picture, it's pointing you in a direction. Try and understand it's something you need to taste and sense, not necessarily find in a physical way. So it says that we need to be reconnected with these higher centers. Why is it that not everyone sees this? Why is it that, okay, these podcasts, this podcast will go out to, I don't know, hundreds of people, maybe even thousands of people will somehow come in contact with this. And why is it that some of those people will immediately see something and it'll speak to them and they'll start to develop some will to do something about this? And others, it will just go pew, right by them. Why is that? Well, the reason is because external life of the five senses satisfies us for a time. And we don't know where anyone is on that timeline. They might be just this far away from not being satisfied anymore by the five senses and external life. But they may be this far away. They may be light years away. They may be a long way off. They may just be in the prime of being satisfied by the five senses and external life. They may be nowhere near the place where it just doesn't satisfy anymore. Later, after a while, the five senses and external life don't satisfy us so much. 
you're beginning to see that. There are people who are beginning to see that. And this work is for people like that. In this work, these people are called the good householder. They've done things in life. They've become successful. They, have, they pay their bills. They take care of business. They keep their word marginally. <laughs> they found that there is something more to life than just getting stuff, than getting your senses tickled. They found that there's more to life than that. And they're no longer satisfied just with life the way it is. They think, if this, if this is all there is, this is not worth it. There's got to be something more. And so they start to look for something more. These people are different. We may begin to see that we have no ballast to keep us centered when the storm of life events begins to rob us of what we value the most. Sooner or later, the storm of life events will begin to rob you of what you value the most. Maybe your car gets stolen, maybe your house burns down, maybe your child dies or your husband dies or your wife dies or your mother dies or your father dies or whatever. But eventually, the storms of life events are going to rob you of what you value the most. And then, when that happens, you're going to have to value something else or find another place for that value in the external world. But ballast, you know what ballast is? Ballast is the weight that they put in the, the bottom of boats. Well, not just boats, but ships. For sailboats especially, they'll be ballast in the keel of a sailboat. And the purpose of that is so that the sailboat, when the wind pushes against the sails and the boat heels over to the side, the ballast keeps it from just flipping over altogether. The ballast will pull it back up or hold it against the wind so that it can actually make forward motion through the water. So that's what ballast is. And a ballast is something that keeps you centered so that life doesn't knock you over, but it also gives you the ability to make forward motion in life. And people don't understand that. People think, oh, well, that ballast, that's just weight and that will just slow you down. No, it makes it possible for you to actually move in a direction that you choose instead of in the direction that life has chosen for you. So this is the purpose of ballast, or well, we call it other things in the work too. But at our fallen level means that our ballast or our center of gravity has shifted from ourselves to some external part of life. So it's a lot like taking the ballast in the keel of a sailboat and moving it up the mast. Then when the wind comes, that weight is already there and it will flip that boat right over. And the top will be the bottom and the bottom will be the top. And that's exactly our position. The sails are underwater and the keel is sticking up. Can it get anywhere? Yes, absolutely. The tide, the wind, the action of the waves will push that sailboat along, even with the keel sticking up and the sails down under. But it's going to push it wherever it wants it to go, not wherever the pilot of that sailboat wants to go. So that's the purpose of that center of gravity, that ballast. Let's take an example of when our ballast, our center of gravity, is shifted from ourselves to some external part of life. Let's take something that we all understand and know about and love with great passion. Let's take money. Now, you say, oh, I don't love money with great passion. Fine, give me your money. Yeah. yeah, you see, you do. You're just a liar. You just lie about it. That's all there is to it. You protect your money. You protect your money because your center of gravity is in it. The stock market crashes, a man loses everything, and he commits suicide. Well, that never happens. Oh, yes, it does happen. It happens all the time. It happens every day. And the stock market doesn't even have to crash. It can be something else. A man loses everything, and he commits suicide. Why? There's no reason to live. Why? Because his center of gravity is gone. And he's got nothing else. As difficult as it may be to realize, there is more to life than fame, fortune, beauty, and possessions. Well, that's not hard to realize. Everybody knows that. Right. Just look around. You can see everybody knowing that. 
You know, just to go go to any grocery store, pick up a magazine. You can see right on the cover that everybody knows that. You can tell by just the magazines you pick up and the things you lust after that everybody knows that. But the problem is we go right back to the false personality makes us ascribe to ourselves knowledge we do not possess. See, you know that, but you don't possess that knowledge. There is no way that you possess that knowledge. That knowledge may possess you, but you do not possess that knowledge. You have no real understanding of that. How do I know that? Look at you. You know that it is very difficult. <laughs> it is very difficult to realize there is more to life than fame, fortune, beauty, and possessions. Very difficult. The amnesia-inducing hypnotism of life is unbelievably powerful, and we've all fallen under its influence. Now, this is called A-influence, according to this teaching. That's life influence. These influences created in life is what keeps life going. Life needs to keep going. Have you ever noticed that? You have to eat in order to keep going. You have to drink in order to keep going. There's certain things you have to do in order to keep going. In order to keep your life going, there's certain things you have to do. These things are A influences. These things that life creates to keep you going. We strive for money, power, security, position through many different avenues. People strive for it in many different ways. Some people are beggars. Some people are thieves. Some people are businessmen. Some people are whatever. Some people are carpenters. Some people are this. But they're striving for the legal tender. Why? So that they can have the power, the security, the position, or whatever it is that they think they need. These A influences. These influences that life creates. Sports, entertainment, crime, fashion, politics. All of these things are all A influences. And they're all gluing us to life and keeping us in this amnesia, in this deep stupor sleep where we are dreaming that we know everything because the false personality makes us ascribe to ourselves knowledge that we don't possess. We think we know everything. You think you know where your car is until you go out and you can't find it in the parking lot. You think you know where your keys are until you look and you can't find them. You think you know where your husband or your wife is until you call them and they're not there. You turn around, they're not there. You ascribe all kinds of things to yourself that are simply not true. You ascribe all this knowledge that you don't actually have. This is all a function of the false personality, which is a function of life. Our connection with A influence is like spider's silk. I'm fascinated by spider webs, especially spider webs in the morning, because in the morning they're dewy. And when the sun hits them, they're really visible. They have this dew all over them, these droplets all over them. So I've got a collection of pictures that I've taken over the years of spider webs in sunlight with the dew on them. It's fascinating to me. The patterns, it's fascinating. And what it does, the sunlight and the, and the dew gives me an opportunity to see it more clearly because those little strands of silk are almost invisible. And it's like that with us. Strong, invisible strands that hold us as securely as a fly in a spider's web. If they've ever watched a fly get into a spider's web, the more it struggles, the more it gets stuck. Go to a rock concert, if you dare. I hope you wouldn't, but if you dare. If you can, look around and see everyone completely identified. Or just imagine yourself at a rock concert. You've seen them on TV, you've seen rock concerts, or maybe from your past. Connected with what assails their senses by these invisible, powerful threads. They act as one body. You see them all acting as one body, moving, swaying as one body. Why? Because they have lost their individual identity to this group identity, to this mass identity, through identification. They have become a herd because that's what life has made them. That's what the A influences of life have made them, a herd. Why? The same reason that you herd cattle and sheep. The same reason. For food. That's why. 
But how can you say that? No one's eating them. How can you say that? How can you say that all of that energy that's being produced there isn't being gobbled up by something you can't see? How can you say that? Well, because I know. Yeah, that's right. You know, because the false personality makes you ascribe to yourself knowledge that you do not possess. That's why you know. Because you ascribe to yourself knowledge that you do not possess. Whereas anyone who could rub two thoughts together could say, well, if I can't see it, doesn't mean it's not there. The group of people take on this mass existence, making it nearly impossible for someone to remember himself in that situation. As long as people are under the A influence sleep of amnesia, nothing can change. How can it? Any more than as long as that sailboat has the sails down under the water and the keel sticking up, is it ever going to be able to direct its own course? It cannot change. It can be moved around by life, and it can call that change, but it won't be change. It will just be being moved around by life with no direction of its own. To escape, we must gradually surrender ourselves to see influences. Those are influences that are not created in life, but rather influences that come from beyond life, <laughs> above life, from what the work calls the conscious circle of humanity. As you might imagine, if you've tried to touch conscious love, the conscious circle of humanity is constantly raining on the earth's influences that can awaken us. So if you've ever tried to touch conscious love, then you know that you have more compassion for all living things when you are doing that. Now, if you could be in conscious love completely, what would you feel for all living beings and what would you do for them? You would be raining down influences that could help to awaken them and bring them closer to the reality of their being and extricate them from the herd. Can you see that? Because we use a different language than the conscious circle of humanity does. Direct communication between the conscious and the mechanical is not possible. It has to be indirect communication. This is why their attempts to communicate with us are in dreams, parables, allegories, stories. And they're usually incomprehensible to us. And thus, they're turned into B influences. So what does that mean, B influences? So now we have C influences that are at this end of the spectrum. We have A influences that come from life. So we have C influences coming from outside of life on this hand. We have A influences coming from life on this hand. The A influences keep us stuck in life. The C influences are trying to pull us out of life. But we can't understand the C influences. So we turn them into B influences. That is a buffer between A influences and C influences. Some way to bridge the gap, this huge gap of misunderstanding. The Gospels, for example, are B influences. They're not C influences. They're not A influences. They're B influences. Since our ordinary centers are governed by A influences, I say our ordinary centers, I mean our intellect and our instinctual and moving centers and our emotional centers and our sex center, those things are all governed by A influences. You have to see that we're animals and we're pushed around by our desires and our needs and our wants and our instincts. And those A influences are all coming from life. We reduce all C influences to B influence until our lower centers are prepared to receive directly from higher centers than us. In other words, until we learn the language, we have a translator. And the translator is B influence. So here's this you in life, A influence. Here's this other influence outside of life, C influence. And it's trying to talk to you. But you don't understand anything it says because you don't speak that language. So you have an interpreter, B influences. And B influences starts to interpret to you. It can speak both of those languages. And it starts to interpret to you what C influence is saying. If you have enough sense to listen, you move in that direction. If you're really stupid, thick, slow, stuck in your stuff, you don't listen at all. You just go right back to A influences and try to get more. 
Connie was telling me the other day that Borders, I guess it is, the bookstore is closing, going out of business. And so naturally they're selling all their books. And they said that someone took a picture of the store after people had been in it and had really just shredded it. They found the book they didn't want, they just threw it on the floor. Well, if you've ever been to some big sale like that, you know what people are like. They're insane. It's an insane mob. And they are very destructive. Why? Because there is no individual consciousness there. Because it's all this mass existence of the mob. Of that person's going to get what I want before I can get it. So they just tear through things to find anything that they can get to keep for themselves. You understand this, yes? Oh, yeah. You understand this because you do this. So these influences can be, well, very powerful. The hypnotism of life is very powerful. A influences and the hypnotism that they create is very powerful. It can make people do things they would never do alone. You get in a group of people, a group of people, a mob will do things one individual would never do. You must know this. You do things in a rock concert or at a party you would never do if you were on your own. You just wouldn't do it. So we, we have this situation that we need to have our lower centers prepared that we need to be purified of all of this stuff, this A influence. Somehow we've got to extricate ourselves from this to the point where we can start to be purified from this. Where we, so we don't do that. So that you get in a crowd of people and they're doing that and you don't do that. Now that doesn't make you better. It just makes you a little more awake. That's all. For the moment. So don't take too much pride in it because you'll get caught off guard in some other way. Esoteric ideas are to prepare the lower centers to hear that to which we are deaf and blind now due to having fallen from a higher level into which we were born. When you started to hear the voice of A influence in this world, those people who raised you, you became deaf and blind to the world that you were in. And you need to remember that if you want to develop, if you want to reach that level where you were and reach higher. Our work is to put ourselves under new influences. Through self-observation, we must realize we're not free as we imagine ourselves to be. You imagine yourself to be free, but you are being governed by life. Only when we see our enslavement to A influences, that is life through the five senses, can we begin to struggle against them in light of esoteric teachings. Then we have a real aim based on real self-observation. That's when the journey begins. The journey does not begin when you start listening to podcasts. The journey does not begin when you start reading the books. The journey begins when you start to observe yourself and see how those things that you hear and read apply to you personally. How you are limited. How you are negative. How you are asleep. How you are not one but many. How you turn to violence to solve all of your problems. These are the things you need to see about yourself. Not about other people, but about yourself. Then... You need to use those esoteric ideas that you've been hearing and reading about, apply them to yourself so that you can begin to extricate yourself from yourself. <laughs> it's a lot to ask. That's when we have a real aim based on real self-observation. That's when the journey begins. Begin to struggle against identification that keeps you asleep, whatever it may be. Find what identifications keep you asleep. What is it that keeps you personally asleep? Not everybody, you. What is it keeps you asleep? That's what you need to find out and struggle against that. You'll shake off the amnesia and gradually what you need will be revealed to you as you move from one stage of development to the next. It's not all in these books. It's not all in these podcasts. This is just the beginning. This is just pointing you to the gate, pointing you to the path. You, yourself, 
have to open that gate, set foot on that path and begin to walk. And as you move along, you will receive what you need. You're not going to get it all now any more than you're going to be able to eat all the food that you're going to need for the rest of your life today. You're not going to get it all now. You're going to get your daily bread daily when it will do you the most good. It's funny, these people who store food for years, and they have a few years, they have to throw all the food out and start all over again. Why? It's just not the way it works here. It's just not the way we're supposed to be doing it. I'm not saying we should be living from hand to mouth, but I'm saying that we need to be more sensible about how we do things. Your mind will be properly ordered. You'll begin to be governed from above rather than below. That's what this path is about. This path is about you not being governed by this world anymore but being governed by something outside of this world. Some people are not ready for that. Some people want to be self-governing. There is no such thing. You're either governed by the world or you're governed by something higher. But some people insist that's not true, that they can govern themselves. And what I have to say about that is their false personalities make them ascribe knowledge to themselves that they do not possess. Often the practical application of these ideas sounds like it's going to be easy. The ideas sound great. When we actually run into a situation or a person who's being a little more difficult than we'd like, we find it's not as easy as we thought it was going to be. If you've hit a snag with some aspect of this work and its practical application in your everyday life, I invite you to write James at SolidRockVista.com. Sometimes a fresh perspective is all it takes to get us back on the right track.